Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 20th, 2013. Newcomers, please help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. If you go into the archive section, you'll find a lot of uh, audios for free download where I take you through the system you're living through, why things are happening, why the big changes are happening now, and to show you that the world's always planned long, long in advance of, what, of the actual events that happen to you. And it's on a global level, of course, and I go into the history of the big foundations that were set up a 100 years ago or even, or even before that, some of them, to create massive uh, persuasive uh, machines, you might say. They uh, influence all governments, all their media as, as members of these big foundations, private organizations. They call them the parallel government. In fact, they give grant money out to universities to get their own policies in place and curriculums and so on to make sure that the future managers of the world are all taught the correct view of history and the future as well because, you see, the future is planned always in advance by those who hold power in the present. And there's nothing really unusual about that. It's just more uh, micro-control today because of instant communication between all of the various members of the controlling system. And they have world meetings, so many world meetings, you can't keep up with them unless you go right through the United Nations and spend your lifetime looking at all the different organizations that belong to it. So I go through the history in its simplest form, basically, to give you a different version of reality to show you that politicians are not simply making snap judgments and dealing with crime after a crisis as they emerge, but to show you how, as I say, they're worked out long in advance to a timetable, to schedules, different parts of them, are, this agenda is introduced at different times, and they must always keep on schedule. They're pretty accurate, actually, and they tell you when things are going to change. Austerity, for instance, was planned a long time ago, long before the bank crashes happened, and the bank crashes were one way to make it happen. The banks themselves all profited, actually, off, off the crashes because we bailed them out in excess, plus they were left with all the mortgages and so on, too. So help yourself to the website, find out what's happening. And remember, too, you bring me to you. You're the audience who bring me to you. I don't have backing by any sponsors. I could certainly have it, but they don't have to advertise all the time and give you advertising shows rather than just basic what's happening shows. So if you want to buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughdemetics.com, where I go through the art of chronology, an awful important science, basically. It's not taught in your regular universities, but the top guys certainly are taught it. And they con people, basically. The whole world's run by by chronology, as I call it, and persuasive techniques. Very simple to do in today's mass communication age. So remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks still, or you can use international postal money orders from the post office, or, or send cash, or use PayPal. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations are awfully welcome as we go through the planned inflation, which is simply devaluation of your currencies. We're all getting it at the same time. 
because big things are afoot, obviously, to change uh, the system into more globalized structures of control over everything. And a hundred years ago, the boys that set up uh, the early uh, bank system uh, for international trade and so on, the Bank for International Settlements, it's all done by one organization, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is a private club, basically, of the richest folk on the planet at the time. Now it has all members of top parliamentarians and congressmen in the U.S. under the, under the CFR group, which is the American branch. They have branches for the European parliaments. All top members are members of this organization, and they have them across the entire planet in every government. So they put their members from this private organization into governments at the higher levels. They put them into the, all the top bureaucratic positions. And bureaucrats are very, very important, remember, because bureaucrats are never elected. And we seldom know what they're even up to. But they're drafting their own policies, they call them, rather than laws. They draft policies, and they actually work and bypass often the government themselves and work directly with other government's departments at the same time. Quite an amazing system. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about the big system we're all involved in, whether we like it or not, or even know it or not. Most folk don't know they're involved in it. Most actually are not involved in it, except they're the passive viewers of it all, and they're downloaded by technologies they don't even understand or even know exist, including entertainment, in fact. They think entertainment is to make you laugh or something like that. But basically, entertainment today is a science. Bernays talked about using entertainment. He was one of the first guys to use it. And also, the stunts that they often do in public to get garner attention, etc., or to get a new fad started, for instance. And they've been doing this all down through the ages since, since to the present time, using techniques like stunts and so on. One of the recent stunts, in fact, was the, was to do with, um, Angelie Jolie, of course. I don't go into the trivia normally because uh, that's what it is, is trivia. But on the other hand, too, even the trivia, whenever it's mentioning celebrities and something controversial is to get something started, something that they didn't plan, the celebrities themselves, mind you, but the organizations that uh, help, you know, actually push them, they're behind them. And sometimes they get funding, uh, give funding to them as well. Remember, too, some of the top actors as well, or the popular actors, are members of the Council on Foreign Relations now. Actually, have spokesmen, and I remember reading an article years ago before they selected any to say they were going to start bringing on actors on board because the public followed the stars. The public, you see, are so fooled by the parts that they play that they actually identify the person as though they know them because they were in this this movie or that movie. And it's more real to them. They don't know what the person is really like in reality. It doesn't really matter because the fictional part stays in their mind. And so they follow that person because they've seen them being portrayed in some movie as the hero or heroine or whatever. But anyway, to do with uh, the Jolie story, of course there was a whole lot of builds up to this before it was burst out to the public because it's to get a whole lot of business in to big, big uh, institutions that do genetic testing, but also, too, to change society as well, because, you see, the genetic programming and, and human genome project is still going on. And how do you get people to go in voluntarily, have their genes checked for all kinds of things, not cancers, but everything? And, well, you, you bring out a scary thing, which affects a lot of people, and then you promote it. Very, very simple. 
And then, of course, what they do then is take your whole family history. They'll take your offspring's um, history too, medical histories, and they'll try to find the wrong kind of genes, you see, and for other things, because they're really going into this whole genetic thing to do with mental illness, for example. Now, mental illness today, is, it's always actually been a political tool. I don't know if you know how the whole psychiatric institution started up with Freud and then his daughter taking it over, it was for a completely different purpose than you think it is today. It has to do with changing society and putting professionals in charge of literally breeding us all in eugenics, a eugenics program, who can breed, who cannot breed, because you have good genes, bad genes, and good genes or bad genes could all depend on your point of view to do with politics or any particular topic whatsoever. Remember that too, that's always what government does. So here it says here that um, Britain launched a research program Monday that should eventually allow all cancer patients to have access to the kind of genetic analysis that led Hollywood star Angelina Jolie to decide to undergo a double mastectomy. So there's your, there's your headline, see the grabber, the colon grabber, as you see. And it says the project involving the Institute of Cancer Research in London, the U.S. gene sequencing firm Illumina, Geneticists and cancer doctors aims to find a way to allow more cancer genes to be tested in more people. Well, to say, I understand these organizations always work with top agencies in government. Always. Because when they're on the go and they're not getting any customers, basically, or very few can afford it, for instance, then it's government grants and so on. And the government doesn't give out grants unless they're getting something back in return for some agency or other. And, of course, as I say, the Human Genome Project is ongoing to see if you come from the right kind of stock or the wrong kind of stock. That's what it's really about. People never see around the bend, you know, because we're taught to think in a linear fashion like stupid people. And we're taught that from a very, very early, early age. That's what your school system is the way it is. Repeat after me. And they start off with the alphabet, you know, in a sequence. A to Z. You've got to stop thinking in a linear fashion and be more natural. Now, since researchers announced the $4 million project founded by the Wellcome Trust, you have to go into the Wellcome Trust and see all the things that they've been involved in for a long time, a so-called big charity and the stresses was not a response to reports last week of Jolie's decision to undergo surgery to reduce her breast cancer risk. What a joke that is. And then they go on about what they're really trying to do and so on, trying to find out, etc. They talk about the mutations in some genes known as cancer predisposition genes. Now, remember, when they're checking all your genes out, they can find dominant genes that are maybe sitting there basically dormant at the moment. And what could happen if any of those genes went haywire? to do with all kinds of things, as especially mental illness or possibly getting some disease down the road, etc., etc., etc. That's the future, you see. They will eventually have governments, agencies, which will, won't allow you to breed. And eventually you'll get fined if you've not been categorized to breed and you end up having a child. I'm not kidding about that. Because these guys wrote about this a long, long, long time ago, their whole agenda for the world. Anyway, they're going about Jolie and so on. Five times more likely to develop breast cancer than women. This is from a Jewish newspaper, by the way, because they're more likely in Jewish women, especially Ashkenazi ones, it says here in this article, to actually have uh, more predisposed to breast cancer and ovarian cancer because basically there's more inbreeding in the group uh, than, than outbreeding. And so your, your chances are higher. 
Anyway, I'll put this article up tonight to let you know what's happening. But of course, it's also to get a lot of cash into it, and it's also to make, to give more power and authority to genetic organizations. They're also getting money and heavily, heavily funded from government agencies. Because the future is not a future where you're in charge. You're not really in charge today, in fact. Although people still think they are. Of anything, that is. You're not in charge of anything at all. You're in charge of what you're allowed to be in charge of within limitations. It's very important to understand how it works. So anyway, it's just ongoing uh, mass analysis of DNA. And some countries like Scotland are already thinking about making it mandatory. Uh, after that, this, this all came out immediately after, of course, that everyone gets tested for this. Quite something. This is how it goes, you see. Just get, I think of some, you know, B or C rated actor or actress, it wouldn't work the same way, you see. That's how stupid we are. Also tonight too, I'll put up an article to show you as well that the big globalist and the globalist, the global warming, uh, clique, the big clique of course at the top, there's a different agenda, something to do with global warming. The whole idea was to for redistribution of wealth across the world. They, they claim the far left is, is. And also, too, to give more power to government agencies again to change the whole way that we live under various guises. Well, global warming was the one that they picked a long time ago. It's just stuck to global cooling, of course, as we know. But they, they know that too now. And so they rephrase their big meetings they're having on right now. That's why so many articles about global warming out now uh, to do with a, in a different fashion because they know they're losing a lot of backing from folk that are fed up uh, shivering with, with, with the coolness across the planet. Since new reports suggest global warming could be slower than first thought. You see, they won't admit they're wrong. Because remember, too, the big, big top banking families are completely behind this. Some of them even spearheaded this because they want carbon uh, trading to go across the world and make more billions of all of us. Because all those trading things are done on, on, on basically taxes, carbon taxes, energy taxes, and so on, for every item that you're going to buy how much it costs to make the item and its wrapper, everything. You're going to end up paying for it. Massive profits for it, you see. Everything is a con today. Everything's a true con. And unfortunately, there's nothing they can't make you believe. There really is nothing. Now, when you have professional marketers and agencies, they know how to do it. Now, also, the Pentagon, uh, I mentioned an article years ago, uh, and I put it up a few times, it's in the archive section, uh, cutting through the matrix, and, and it's to do with the perpetual war, and it was from the US Military Academy, obviously written by an intelligent, an intelligence uh, officer, because he went through the whole thing of promoting the culture of degradation, actually, that they'd used on America successfully, and the rest of the, the Western world. And use it across the Middle East and everywhere else to bring down all the previous cultures and give them lots of pornography and everything else to degrade them. But also it was called perpetual war. Because this war is a war to change everything in the world. Not simply take over countries for theft of their oil and everything else. Uh, it's also to take over uh, and destroy all the old cultures and bring in a, a new universal culture based on a sort of Hollywoodish kind of mentality. And I'm not kidding about this. We're already in it, whether you know it or not. Listen to the talks of people. Listen to the language. Listen, listen to all the all the phrases they use. It's all out of movies and, and comedies they're watching. That's the reality. So anyway, the Pentagon now unilaterally grants itself authority over civil disturbances. 
and it goes, it goes on uh, this article here talking about this new um, law they've basically given them or passed themselves so they can go in and support so-called law enforcement agencies within the U.S. This is this is not just your national guard that can work with the, with the cops now. It's your it's your little your regular army. And I'll put up the two articles too from the from the the the, the U.S. government uh, the actual things that went through that were passed it all. I'll put them up too for those that want to look through and wade it through along with this article as well. But that, of course, as I say, is, is a way that they've always tried to do it for a long, long time uh, in the U.S. And the communists talked about this a long time ago. But 80-odd years ago, 90 years ago, they talked about how would they take the U.S. over, and they could not find a way around um, getting military active on the streets, you see, which would further anger the people in the hopes that the people would rebel against the military. That's what the communists hoped would happen. And, it, and they couldn't get the military on the streets, etc., or the folk to even rebel. And so now, that, now they've got it under the guise of terrorism. And I mentioned before perpetual war and how this this uh, war on terror would last forever. Well, Obama's group have come out and said, said uh, officially this is going to go on forever. I'll put that link up too tonight. Back with more after this. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix. And also, too, they're really, really pushing the smart meters across the world. Again, a big world agenda. And it's never admitted to be that, but then you see it's creeping out all over the place. And so there isn't an international group, obviously, behind it all to do with efficiency. But yeah, then you dig deeper and you find out there's international grids they're setting up. So they can literally cut off electricity supply in one country and flaunt to another if they have to in the future. That's all part of the plan, too, you see. But anyway, this, this one here is to do with uh, Wi-Fi, basically, and it says a golden cress, you know, the, 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 the edible herb. It says it will sprout just about anywhere in alkaline water, but there's one exception to the rule, and it has scientists scratching their heads. It says a group of five girls carried out a science experiment at Harup School in North Denmark that saw garden cress seeds uh, placed in 12 tubs and split in two batches. Both batches were placed in different rooms. They remained the same temperature and were given the same amount of water and sunlight over the course of 12 days. He said, you expect both batches of the, the tubs to, or the, the tubs to grow equally well, but one set didn't even germinate. The reason was they were placed next to two routers, Wi-Fi routers for internet. Although it's unclear exactly why this happened, it's thought that the radiation produced by the routers is what stopped the seeds germinating. And so the girls' experiment was geared towards testing the potential impact of phone radiation on surrounding objects. They didn't have phones to use, though, so decided the routers were a good alternative. The experiment caught the interest of the international science community and set to be repeated in a more controlled environment. One of the first controlled experiments were carried out by Professor Oli Johansson from the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm. Hopefully it will shed more light on it and so on. But anyway, this is uh, only one of many, many uh, articles you'll find if you do a scour on the internet to do with Wi-Fi. And of course, it's got a lot of people upset uh, because a lot of people are getting Wi-Fi from these smart uh, meters they're putting it in too. They have different means of communication with the company or the provider of the electricity supply. And Wi-Fi is one of them too. And it's more powerful than a cell phone, I believe, as well. 
So anyway, we're getting dosed in this stuff, and uh, it, it does definitely, uh, it can kill plants off and things like that. What's it doing to your brains and your body? As you go ahead and do all this cancer <laughs> research and so on, eh? Also, I mentioned too, uh, a couple of years ago, that uh, the British Labour government, and uh, when Tony Blair was in, uh, Labour, it, it, Blair actually told his second command that they would open the gates of immigration completely for the most diverse population, meaning opposite cultures, cultures that have nothing in common with the present European cultures, in order to destroy the, the system of Britain or the culture of Britain forever. So it could even be re-established later on. And it's pretty well been successful. But anyway, it's coming out again. always come out later and admit it again. It's just the truth at last. Peter Mandelson admits that Labour sent out search parties search parties to bring in migrants after losing the votes of the working class. Well, that's actually what uh, even under Harold Wilson a long, long time before that in the Labour Party, that's what they were doing then too. Under, under the guys of the Labour Party, at the top, they were all Marxist, completely Marxist and communist. And they hoped to get revolutions going in all the countries. And when they found they couldn't get the ordinary folk to, to have a revolution, they said, well, we'll bring in other people from other countries who will not be happy trying to fit into a, a British system, basically, with British people being predominant. And they would become minority groups, and they'd use the minority groups to agitate. And perhaps they would start to have a revolution. Sorry, Mandelson admits it says three months. This is a, this is a later one. As I say, the, the, the Labour Party has been doing that since the 60s. This is this is about Blair's uh, uh, time in, in government. Three months after the 1987 general election, Labour assembled in Brighton for its annual, annual conference. And it says here, how would the party manage to suffer a third debilitating de- defeat at the handbag of the hated Margaret Thatcher? Most of the dwindling band of delegates simply couldn't comprehend why millions of their people had voted conservative yes ag- yet again. It's because of the donkey's use of the labour, which as I said had nothing in common with the working people in Britain. And it says, um, Neil Kinnock, uh, who even after the polling stations closed, was convinced he won a famous victory and so on. He enlightened them. In his keynote address, Kinnock posted a rhetorical question. He says, what do you say to a docker, a London docker, for instance, who earns £400 a week, owns his own house, a new car, a microwave, as well as a small place near Marbella? In other words, a working-class guy, supposedly, on £400 a week, which is not that common, actually. He says, you do not say, he continued, adopting a Cockney accent, intended to mimic Ron Todd, leader of Britain's biggest union, to the DT. GWU, brother, let me take you out of your misery. In other words, he was mimicking a working class guy. It says it was a reluctant acknowledgement that Labour's clapped out collectivist model had run out of road. It was also the moment that the rising generation of Labour politicians realised they could never again rely on the votes of the white working class. And this is a mainstream article, by the way. It says, standing at the back of the hall, it doesn't matter today because it's all been done. Listening intently was one of Peter Mandelson, moustached former television producer brought in by Kinnock to modernise the party's image. Mandelson's, uh, together with the ruthlessly ambitious young men and women who would subsequently form the nucleus of new labour. Remember new, you know, you had new um, conservatives and so on, new democrats, all this stuff. It's all in the new, it's all the same group for folk who don't know. Anyway, in the mid-90s, concluded that if they could no longer take the support of the white working class for granted, they would have to import a new working class from overseas. Yet they've always denied that the mass immigration unleashed after Tony Blair's 97 landslide was a deliberate policy driven by naked political self-interest. Until now, that is. 
Anyway, they set out search parties to bring in immigrants. They actually funded them into the country and paid for all. And all the British Commonwealth countries did the same, though. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about Britain's uh, plan, basically Tony Blair's plan, which was a simple continuation of labour uh, policy for a long, long time, since the 1960s, for mass immigration. Because they couldn't get folk in Britain to revolt, well, they simply uh, imported the people to revolt, basically. And anyway, it says here, when former Labour advisor Andrew Neither said three years ago that mass immigration was a ploy intended to rub the rights, nose, and diversity. His claims were categorically rebutted by labor leaders, it says. This is but an extraordinary and expected moment of candor. Mandelson himself confessed this week that labor sent out search parties for immigrants. He told the Blairite think tank called Progress in 2004, as a labor government, we were not only welcoming people to enter this country to work, we were sending out search parties for people and encouraging them. He says, today the situation is different. Entry to the labour market of many people of non-British origin is hard for people who are finding it very difficult to find jobs and who find it hard to keep jobs. And it says, with an astonishing admission, the first time someone at the very heart of the new labour project has confirmed that Britain's border controls were cynically dismantled. It says, mass immigration was never once mentioned in any labour manifesto, not openly, but it was all done behind closed doors. And so they didn't have a vote on it. It was this party policy. A policy which was to change the face of Britain irrevocably was smuggled in under the radar purely for long-term electoral and short-term economic advantage. It was more than that. It was way more than just purely economic or to get the vote. It was to change the face of Britain forever. That was the intention of it. The assumption was that new arrivals would all welcome or become naturalized and return the favor by voting for Labour. The party's new friends in the business world, meanwhile, would benefit from an endless supply of willing foreign workers prepared to accept low wages, they say. So was it Tony Blair's victory ushered in the greatest mass migration in the country's history? The most outrageous left-wing lie is that Britain has always been a nation of immigrants. Of course, this has been promulgated across the planet, the same, uh, the same mantra, a nation of immigrants and so on. It says, this is arrant nonsense. Between the Norman Conquest in 1066 and 1950, immigration was virtually non-existent, save for a few thousand Jews and, and Huguenots fleeing persecution in Europe. It began to rise when the government opened the door to Commonwealth citizens to help rebuild the post-war economy and run essential public services, such as the transport and the National Health Service. But as recently as the early 90s, net migration stood around only 40,000 years statistically insignificant after Labour came to power. More people moved to Britain than in an entire previous millennium. Figures released this week show that one in eight of the population, or 7.5 million people, is an immigrant. And that's the present ones, that's not sons of, you know, second generation ones. Half of them arrived in a decade up to 2011. So that's how it was done. But again, this is a, a this is a British Commonwealth policy because they didn't all the countries at the same time, all the countries, because there's a much much bigger agenda behind it all. Also, I put an article too. It talks about uh, suicides and foreclosures. 
This is it's worse than the, the Great Depression from Zero Hedge. I'll put that up tonight too for those who can stand some bad news. And also too, I'll put up again tonight the, the update to one of the most important manuals in mental health known as the Bible of Psychiatry has been unveiled. Uh, controversy and criticism surrounding the work on the fifth version of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Everything now is a mental disorder, you understand. Because remember, when they set up this psychiatric association, the World Psychiatric Federation, a long time ago with Freud and his daughter, uh, there was one little clique that ran it all for a long, long time. And I really mean a clique. They had a lot in common with each other, all the people who were so-called psychiatrists. And they wanted to change the world and to be a more benevolent, um, accepting society by using eugenics and training every child in a sort of Pavlovian sense and to be good citizens. And they would decide what a good citizen was, you see. Anyway, it says here, critics say that the rule book turns normal behavior like grief or childhood temper tantrums into mental illnesses. It's used mainly in the U.S., but it's influential around the world. It's the first update to the volume since 1994. Experts in mental health have been taking account of the latest scientific developments to update ways of diagnosing mental disorders. And it goes through how they're doing it and so on. But it really goes into all the nonsense that's, that's stuck in there. And so, I mean, everybody can get diagnosed, understand. There's not person, any person who would escape diagnosis the way it's set out today. If they, if they want you on something, uh, they'll get you on something. And it's a good way, like the Soviet Union, of locking, locking um, people up who disagree with any policy of government or whatever. Also, too, this had to happen, of course. We knew it was coming. But Marks & Spencer's customers pay twice on contactless payment cards, despite standing only a foot from the till. That's automatically if it's in your pocket or wherever it is. And it says... Shoppers have been charged on their contactless cars without knowing. They're charged when simply standing next to the machines. MS recently rolled out the contactless payment in 644 stores. MS said it knows of only five cases that have had a positive response from the public. Almost 250,000 transactions a week are now taking place in the stores on contactless cars, basically. And it says... Uh, the problem was spotted only when a handful of eagle-eyed customers realized what was happening. It raises fears that shoppers could have been charged without their knowledge. And it gives you some examples of some people who, who had the card and it's got pin, it's got a chip in it, pin terminal and all the rest of it, and it charged their contactless card as one woman, which was in her purse and, and, and in her other hand. So it wasn't even in her hand, it was in the purse. And it, it simply deducted it from the card. And charged it. A month later, she looked at her bank statement and realized she'd, been paid, she'd paid twice. When she returned to the store with a statement, she was given a refund so far. Anyway, they're giving her funds. Other ones are doing it too. Mind you, there's a lot of folk too that never read their bills, you know. I mean, that's how callous everything is today. They just don't read their bills. And here's the thing that can, can, can bill you without you even pulling out the card or swiping it or anything else. That's it happen though. And also... Another article to do, again, with since they're really pushing and promoting this uh, cancer genetics. Everything's done for a great cause, isn't it? It's, it's like DARPA, you know, the guys who create all the weaponry for the military, are, are just so concerned about putting chips in, in paraplegics' brains and so on, and quadriplegics' brains, so they can send emails just by thinking about it. That's, that's a guff they told us of quite a few years back, that they, they were testing. Of course, they're a chip, but they were, it's not for paraplegics, it's for us. 
down the road, folks. They've got it already. But they always come out with, us to help this and help that. Uh, and, of course, the folk never think beyond that. Never think beyond it. Anyway, this is knowledge of a person's genetic makeup can be vitally helpful in treating cancer and so on. That goes into the genetic testing. The genetic testing is not, it's not foolproof whatsoever. There's so many Fs and variables, it's just astronomical. And yet they're pushing it here, so it's definitely going to save your life. And it's not, folks. It's not. But they're really pushing it, as I say, because there's other reasons behind it. Government wants to know your whole genetic makeup. Then have a whole bunch of different categories of people in different classifications. And according to, remember the poverty gene, eugenic, the genesis talked about back in the early 20th century. There's a poverty gene. If you're poor, it's because you're a poverty gene. Like a permanent affliction. You couldn't change it. Well, it's the same kind of stuff that's going on now as they categorize everyone. And lots of folks are going to, are going to flood in and say, I want the test, I want the test, it'll save my life. Will, will it save your life? You ask them for a guarantee. You ask them. And see what they tell you. And also, too, uh, the Secretary of State John Kerry named Ira Foreman, it says, who led President Obama's re-election campaign in the Jewish community as his envoy to combat anti-Semitism, it says. And it goes through this man's uh, history. And it says, the, the envoy travels the world to press governments to address international and popular manifestations of anti-Semitism. Foreman's a long-time director of the National Jewish Democratic Council. He led the Obama's campaign effort last year to push back against Republican and conservative depictions of Obama as hostile or indifferent to Israel. He was especially active in Florida, it says. So there's just delegates for everything now. You know, just astonishing, isn't it? Delegations and envoys and you name it. And also this article, too, talks about the big, big bankers. Again, the ones who put in charge of big banks. And it says here that um, J.P. Morgan faces an angry shareholder revolt this week as investigators attempt to strip the boss, Jamie Dimon. They dropped the D off him. They said that's a kind of emotional Linhouse joke, they said, of the chairmanship of the banking giant. The revolt in the wake of last year's $6.2 billion uh, London whale trading loss has been aggravated by a decision to cut off dissident shareholders' access to voting information ahead of the bank's annual meeting on Tuesday. Last year, a proposal to split Diamond's role as a chairman and a chief executive gained 40% of the vote, it says. So they're not too happy about it all. But the vote came before the magnitude of the incident was clear and ahead of regulatory and internal uh, reports that have been highly critical of the failures of oversight at the bank. How can you get the best, supposedly, and put them up there and give them all the millions of dollars a year for pay, you know, individuals, and, and they're supposed to screw up like this? Do they really screw up, folks? Or is it meant to be this way? And also, too, there's an article here. It's called, it's called Give Them a Huddled Masses. And it's about immigration reform back on the policy agenda. Uh, can it help get the U.S. out of the economic pickle in which it finds itself? He says, the global financial crisis reinforced a long-term trend of stagnating incomes, shrinking wealth, and diminishing opportunities for the U.S. middle class. Both ends of the age spectrum have been hit. Today, only 45% of those between the ages of 16 and 24 are employed, while an increasing number of baby boomers are retiring with reduced savings and pensions. Meanwhile, automatic budget cuts and, and future fiscal tightening will overwhelmingly affect the infirm retirees and students. 
high uh, long-term growth, obviously, is one solution. But she just said and done this one more straightforward way to revive the U.S. economy, put money in people's pockets to borrow from 19th century U.S. politicians. Horace Greeley says, go South Americans. In other words, for the retirees and all the rest of it, or those who need medical treatment, they want to put them all down south. It's called farming out your ages now, and Britain's doing it too. And uh, they've even got movies out trying to suck you into how wonderful it is to go to India and live uh, in last years out there. Because maybe you can afford it there where you can't afford it back in the countries that were great, like, you know, Great Britain. You're just, you're just too broke to live. So anyway, I'll put this article up tonight. Now, this is a big one too, a big article, because it says Euro-style bail-in plans mean a bondholder wipeout. And it says Brazil is drafting rules that would wipe out some creditors of failing banks in an effort to avoid taxpayer rescues, echoing European proposals to make bondholders shoulder more of the cost of the bailouts in as many years. And this is on the central bank May 6 had prepared a draft of a bail-in proposal and imposed losses on holders of subordinated and unsecured bonds in case of insolvency and use investments to revive the lenders. Now that's one. Then you go into the EU and European Union Bank. And it says here, Denmark, which introduced bail-ins two years ago. You got, that's all awfully quiet across the world, wasn't it? Get that quiet. Would only join a European banking union if it offers better taxpayer protection in its current setup, the economy minister, Margaret Vestager, said. The union should give insurance against taxpayers paying to clean up banks and build a stronger, more stable banking industry. In other words, they want to just take the money from the people who deposit in the banks. That's what they want to do. And then we get to uh, this article here to do with, uh, as I said earlier at the beginning of this broadcast, that the war on terror is permanent. It says, Washington gets explicit. The war on terror is permanent, it says. It's from The Guardian. And it says, uh, Assistant Defense Secretary Michael Sheehan just uh, testified and so on about it. But it says, last October, senior Obama officials anonymously unveiled to the Washington Post their newly minted disposition matrix, a complex computer system that will be used to determine how a terrorist suspect will be disposed of in definite detention, prosecution in the real court, assassination by CIA drones, etc. The rationalization for this would be, was, was, uh, this was needed now, a full 12 years after the 9-11 attack. Amongst the senior administration officials, there's a broad consensus that such operations are likely to be extended by at least another decade, maybe two. Given the way Al-Qaeda continues to metastasize, as they say, it's amazing, this, it's, it's, it's literally Goldstein of 1984. He's always there. Moves for years. You seek him here, you seek him there. Like the Scarlet Pimpernel, same thing. Handy, you see. It continues to metastasize, some officials said. No clear ends in sight. That timeline suggests that the U.S. has reached only the midpoint of what was once known as the global war on terrorism. On Thursday, the Senate Armed Services Committee held a, a hearing on whether the statutory basis for this war, the 2001 authorization to use military force, should be revised, meaning expanded. This is how the wired spent, uh, Spencer Ackerman uh, says nationals uh, described the most significant exchange. Asked at Senate hearing today how long the war on terrorism will last, Michael Sheehan, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations and Low-Intensity Conflict, answered at least 10 to 20 years. At least. So it's probably a lot more. I think it's forever. Our spokeswoman, Amy Colonel Anne uh, Edgecombe, clarified that Sheehan meant the conflict is likely to last 10 to 20 more years from today. 
atop the 12 years of the conflict has already lasted. Welcome to America's 30 years war. You've got to understand, too, these big boys at the top who, who guide the world along study history intensely. And that's why they look at the 100 years war and 30 years war and so on. It's the changes that it makes on all parties in the conflicts. And you can direct the change to bring up common cultures and systems through such long, protracted wars. These are the techniques we're using here today. Also, this article, the U.S. regular overseeing the derivatives market is sent to retreat from the, an ambitious proposal that would have increased uh, com- competition in the swap market, handing victory to large banks, including J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs. So Wall Street's been given a great gift for this victory. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission will vote Thursday. Final rules will govern a large portion of transactions in the $633 trillion swaps market. Some derivatives are known as swaps because they swap risk from one party to another. Then, that's like when they get the public to bail them out. Too. The impending regulations will determine how many prices buyers of swaps must solicit when trying to enter into the derivatives contract. The minimum size of large transactions that can be traded outside transparent uh, trading platforms and how c- trades can occur on derivatives markets. Marketplaces known as swap execution facilities according to officials and agency documents. Anyway, the one in, they went in favour of, of the big banks, J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs. Otherwise, they would have to pay, pay a lot more of their massive, incredible profit. And also tonight, too, there's a website for those who want to, in Britain and elsewhere, who want to uh, complain about the smart meters to stop it. It's British families at risk from the smart meters. I'll put that up tonight, and you can put your name to it and find out lots of information that this group has put out there. Uh, of the effects on, on the microwave radiation to our bodies and so on. And also, a mother in Britain was told by her, her doctor, her GP, that Britain should be more like China, uh, because she was a mum of two, and therefore she was irresponsible to want more children. Remember what the UN said years ago? The, the China is the model for the world to follow. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and it's so wonderful this big European Union where they put millions, spent millions of taxpayers' money on propaganda to brainwash the taxpayers themselves uh, that they had to vote for the European Union or they'd be left behind uh, and they'd be left out of this glorious world that was going to develop where everyone had lots of more money and big jobs everywhere. Well, they didn't tell you it was all money in China and it's true there was lots of jobs they made there but... Of course, lying is nothing new to politicians and the big boys who run the world. Anyway, it says, the, the CEO of the Bank of England, Paul Tucker, it says, the biggest problem in the international financial system is ending too big to fail banks. can only be solved using a combination of bail-in, in other words, plundering the, the, the depositors, effective planning and cross-border cooperation. Uh, and it says here, Tucker has long been a proponent of bail-ins as a method of making a bank's creditors bear the cost of a bank's failure. Under such a system, the various layers of the creditor hierarchy are written down until losses are covered and any remaining layers uh, converted partially or fully into equity, recapitalizing the bank. Uh, 
In a speech to the Insol International World Congress in The Hague, and it's interesting, you know, look up Insol, I-N-S-O-L, International World Congress. Did you know you had an Insol International World Congress to do with all of this stuff already set up? Did you know that? For the future catastrophes and so on. Tucker set out what he saw as the main prerequisites for the effective resolution of an international bank. Balin, which is stealing the, the people's money, was at the heart of the framework, but he identified a multitude of other issues that would need to be addressed before large, systematically important banks could be resolved in an orderly fashion without taxpayers footing the bill. I think it was through the different points of entry of, of it all. And um, he said uh, there's, there's, there's different uh, terms we're using here, all, all financial terms. And so I'll put it up tonight for those who care to look at it. But the fact is, all the countries now are on board with this. As I say, whatever affects one country is automatically getting discussed in another today. We're global. We are global, run by globalists, folks. We have been for a long time in every sphere, every area. And they're getting ready to plunder all the banks. I think Canada already passed a law that allows them to do it now. Or the banks can plunder your deposits. And so on. This is the big agenda. How else do you think that this big plan of forced austerity is going to be made to happen? They cause the problems to make things happen. But it's never a loss to the boys at the top. They'll just steal everything you've got. That's okay. And also, there's a good website up too. There's a lot of uh, videos and so on. It's called the Autism Media Channel. You can see Dr. Wakefield come out uh, talking about it. He's been heavily criticized for, for blowing the whistle on a lot of vaccine injuries and so on and uh, inefficiencies and uh, basically <laughs> outright lying to do with testing and stuff uh, and claims of what vaccines do. But uh, he's awfully good and you know, he knows his stuff and uh, it's worthwhile looking through all his stuff. But definitely he, he, he links autism to a lot of these vaccines to the children are getting. It's just astronomical how many it gets now it's before they're even two years of age. This is just scary. An Australian dollar has fallen to new 11 months low after the U.S. stocks lost ground on the back of another batch of weak economic data, it says here, because it says it was trading at 98.5 U.S. cents, down from 98.37. But again, that's because George Soros and his pals are fiddling with it to bring them down. They, they put bets on it, just like they did with Britain, and they help bring down, almost crash their, the banking system again to make their profits. It's all legal, though. It's okay. Some folk have, can do all this. It's all quite legal. And we call this the best system they can devise. Eh? We are well for who? For the wolves, of course. From Hamish Moussard, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>